You're listening to the Bill Shapes Podcast presented by Midco Sports. Unwrap the gift of University of North Dakota Athletics on Midco Sports this holiday season with live broadcasts of Fighting Hawks hockey and basketball, plus original shows like Day by Day, Through These Doors, and all the relevant social media updates and info that make you a better fan. That's Midco Sports. This is how we do sports. And this is the Bill Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast, episode 9 of the new year, episode 122 in the long, illustrious run of this particular show alongside Bill Shaves. I'm Alex Hannett. We're taping this on a Tuesday afternoon, the 29th of November, post-Thanksgiving. Bill, how was Thanksgiving? You were kind of all over the place, of course, with football and everything else, but how was Thanksgiving in the Chaves household this year? Everything was great, you know, um, very, very lucky. So uh, we'll stay there, thankful for a lot of things. And uh, as Dr. Armacost has said, you know, this is, uh, he dubbed the year of gratitude at the University of North Dakota. So what better way um, to uh, to spend Thanksgiving with that thought process? Yeah, very, that's an excellent way to put it. Yeah, much to be thankful for. Uh, I'm sure everybody listening to this, I think, feels the same way, wherever you are in life. Again, find those things to have that gratitude for sure. And this is a special time to be thinking about that. So um, the uh, the Thanksgiving weekend, thankfully, for UND football the last couple of years has meant playoff football. We spoke on our last podcast uh, with Chad Karthauser about the bid process and how this all works. And we talked so much about how the FCS selection committee looks at the bid and it's a monetary bid and that's what matters if you're not in the top eight it comes down to dollars and cents and come to find out that maybe wasn't the case this year uh tom miller did some great reporting at the grand forks herald about how how things went down how und was paired with weber state and then sent to ogden instead of hosting you're quoted of course in that article just your thoughts about making a bid that was three times that of the team that you were paired against but not hosting a playoff game instead you know, when the brackets came out, I was surprised that uh, one, I first let's, I was surprised that Weber wasn't a seed. So let's start there. Um, and then when we were paired up with Weber, um, I, I don't know, it maybe took me about, maybe to about the 10 minute mark of the basketball game, because we had a game at one o'clock. And I started thinking that, Maybe, maybe we didn't get outbid because, uh, you know, having spent, you know, over a decade in the Big Sky Conference, I, I'm pretty well aware of all of the finances within all of the programs in the Big Sky. And I don't think they've changed too dramatically since I've been at UND since 18. And so I started thinking, you know, maybe, maybe we actually did outbid them financially and maybe they used different criteria. And, Sure enough, that's exactly what transpired. Now, the tough thing about this is here. Here's what's really, really difficult to swallow is if you knew that going in, that's one thing. But when things are going to kind of get moved a bit during the process and you only find find out at the end, that makes it really, really hard because over history, and you saw what Patty Viverito has said, and you know she's got longer history than I do, but but I have a pretty uh, su- substantial time frame through this. Never have ever heard that the committee has gone that direction where they've uh, not taken the higher bid. And really, in this case, saying Weber was three times better than us on the field. 
I mean, if you want to look at it that way, that's really what's being said here. I mean, I, I'm just going with in Karthauser's our our CFO. He's he's a numbers guy. He's straight numbers. I know what our bid was, and I know I know ultimately then how that plays out because you valued one piece of the criteria far greater than the financial side. Yeah, and it's we always talk about rules of engagement. You know, knowing what the rules of engagement are going into whatever contest that you're involved with, and. It's hard when it feels like the rules that we, and you mentioned this a moment ago, the rules that we thought were in place for this process then get changed or they weren't the way that they've been for the last several decades, you know, in this process too. And right or wrong, it's disappointing. To be fair to the committee, they certainly can do what they want to do as far as valuing the various aspects of the criteria. And, and we saw, you know, that's exactly what they uh, described. It just, it's a departure in, in, in really what's uh, transpired over the time um, that I can recall, because I've kind of gone back to folks that have, have sat on that committee. And unless something has been really um, askew, or maybe someone doesn't bid, that happens too. So there's things that do occur along the way that we'll never know how that plays itself out. Um, but we, I think, I think ultimately though, we probably need to really have a good conversation so we can figure this thing out moving forward. Because I think everyone kind of needs to know what is actually occurring because as we know, what home teams went seven and one this past weekend home game is pretty significant. Yeah, it's a huge advantage, 100%, especially especially when you're playing in the snow and in the conditions in Ogden as we did this weekend. And it's um, it's one of those things where moving forward, maybe they seed out to 16 or they seed the whole thing and then you have a true bracket. Like there are things you can do that would make it more, you know, based on what's happening on the field and you take away some of the financial component if you want to go that direction and maybe that's more fair but it's odd given the circumstances that that was the direction that was chosen. We have the data over the last many years, but but let's be let's be uh, realistic here. Let's get the data from the time we've gone to twenty four teams and 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 take out the 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 COVID year where there was only sixteen. So so look at all of the brackets with twenty four teams in it figure out what the financials were based on that and then just do a math equation and just say hey if you're uh, so lucky to be in the field and you're able to be one of the top 16 seeds which means you're going to play uh that first weekend and you're going to be at home this is what it's going to cost you to to do that and so and if you actually exceed that there's i would assume still some benefit upside for the NCAA, but I can tell you this, minimally, this is what it's going to cost you. I, I think we could do that. I mean, it would take, it would, I, and I, not that we need to take the pressure off the committee, but to some degree, you got people cycling in and cycling out 11 individuals. If you're in the bracket, if you're in the field, you step out of the room when they're bracketing because you have a conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. So, there's a lot of pieces going on that that maybe we need to help the committee moving forward. For our listeners, remind people who is in the committee and, and how that's decided. There's actually one person 
league that has an automatic qualifier. So our representative in the Valley is Matt Larson um, at NDSU. Um, The representative at Big Sky is Kent Haslam at Montana. And so, you know, and and that's just a, a... it's something that the league, you know, decides within the confines of this is the representative that we're going to have. Normally, Alex, there's a regional um, advisory committee called the RAC. And so that normally you have served on the RAC. And then the most logical thing then is to go serve on the FCS committee after that. So I think we have an opportunity in front of us to to hopefully have a really good conversation and discussion because it it seems odd to me and I'll regurgitate what I said in the paper we're worried about bus trips on one side of the bracket and then we're not actually taking a bid that's three times more than somebody else i it, it doesn't jive it just doesn't so we got to we've got to help the committee moving forward yeah, that's well said. Yeah. So it's it's unfortunate that things played out that way. I think everybody agrees around here. It's great that the the truth and the numbers get out. I know you talked with Chad two weeks ago about how you keep the numbers close to the vest and you don't want anybody to know what you're bidding. And, and that's such a a game in, within the game. But in this case, I think it it showed, I think, the university's willingness to step up and say, we're going to do above and beyond to make sure that we're hosting a game to give our team the best chance. And then it and it wasn't enough not that it wasn't enough but obviously there there was some disconnect there between what we thought were were the were the the rules of the game it's quite apparent that the committee um i think struggled with not seating weber and and, and at the end of the day i think that probably won out regardless of what our bid was going to be no matter who was going to play weber weber was going to have a home game and and so we just happened to be the other team on the other side. And I just knew our bid was as competitive as many bids I've ever heard of in that first round. And it was perplexing because there was a there was a few hours where let's just say there was sadness mm-hmm. around our our base. And they thought that we weren't doing all we could do to get a home game. And it was actually the absolute opposite and i was trying to uncover it and figure out what transpired and that's what happened and so you know what but we now we have to have a good conversation moving forward because it's way too important um for these communities and our programs um to leave it up i think to a subjective um conversation when you don't even know it's going to be subjective it's been objective for ever I talked to Terry Wanless yesterday, former athletic director at UND. He was on the committee, um, let's just say, a while ago. He's never heard of that before. I mean, I, I've got a number of people over the course of my time that have been on that committee. I haven't come across one yet has that has used that criteria. It was a, a curveball that we weren't expecting on Selection Sunday, but... What but do you, you still got to go play the game. You still got to go play the game. And, and so we'll, we'll get to that now. UND played Weber State over Thanksgiving weekend down in Ogden. Obviously not the start you were looking for. A, a big hole down 24 nothing early. 31-14 at the half. But you got to give this North Dakota group credit. The coaching staff made some adjustments after the break. They stormed back. And they made it a game in the end and got within one score with the ball late. 
to potentially drive down and and score the game tying touchdown or, or win or win the thing. Yeah, exactly. So it was one of those games that just had some twists and turns to it. And UND was always fighting an uphill battle, but they had great heart and great character in that contest and nearly pulled off a, would have been a really spectacular comeback on the road. Yeah, and and I think it was pretty clear that if we were lucky enough, uh, you know, to to score a touchdown, uh, Bubba had said it afterwards. You know, he's going for two. I I don't blame him. And you know what, Alex, it's probably a good conversation just philosophically right now to some degree. I you know what I, I'm thinking about this. I'm going to say something really kind of crazy here to some level. But why would you ever not go for two? <laughs> like at the end of the, so 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 think about it. You're in that situation. You trot your kicker out, and and at the end of the day, I'm talking for any any team. You got a chance to not actually make the extra point, and that's how you're going to lose. Or do you just say, you know what? Let me dial up my best play because eventually you're going to have to do that anyways when you're going back and forth in overtime. So I I'm not sure why anyone to some degree, unless they feel really good about the momentum and maybe I, I don't know. I have no idea, but I'm not sure there's anything worse than losing a game after just scoring a touchdown and for whatever reason, blocked extra point, tipped, whatever you want to say, that that would be a tough way to go down. Yeah, that is a good point. I mean, and you see that a lot of times. Obviously, home road matters typically and, and, and the makeup of the game and all those sorts of things. But you are right. Like essentially, it does come down to one play at some point. Would you rather do... An extra point to extend the game? Would you rather have one play from the two-yard line to win the game? You got to balance those things out. It makes sense. When you put it like that, it does make sense. Like, you should just go go for the win. Go for the win every time. You're not going to probably have a better opportunity in overtime, necessarily, to win the game than being at the two-yard line with one play to go. Yeah, I think if you're down 14 and you know there's only a couple possessions left and you score a touchdown, you can go for two right at that point in time. So then you're eight down if you don't make it, six down if you do. That way you can get the traditional seven Mm -hmm. if you do score a touchdown. But at least it gives you the idea of what you need at that point in time. But I think once you get to that point, I, I don't I don't truly tying it. I don't know what that would do for you other than prolong the the idea of the game is still going on. But even in those conditions too, yeah. like right? Like you don't know. Like the whole operation has to happen well with a wet ball in tough conditions. Now we both like listening to Bill Simmons, uh, now of the ringer, who formerly of ESPN. And his big thing was always, what is the opposite opposition fan base? not want you to do. And in this situation, the opposition would want you to kick the extra point. Like, don't go for two. <laughs> Just kick the extra point. Give us another chance. Let us go to overtime. I think that really applies in this scenario, 100%. Yeah, you, you, the opposition would not want you to try and win the game right there on one play from the two-yard line. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and the other thing I believe, and I'll see what our coaches end up doing throughout the off season to some degree and not that we, we haven't been willing to go for it on fourth down, but going for it on fourth down, um, I, you know, is, is, is interesting because it's, it's a different mindset when you know, you're playing with four downs. I know once we get past midfield and you're in that in between, you, you kind of go for it, you four down territory. 
but is it four down territory in in different parts of the of the game as well? It's just interesting to me. However, that goes. We've seen that analytical revolution at the NFL. Certainly for some teams, you think about the Chargers come to mind, who seem to always go for it on fourth down. As long as there's a, a logic to it, it does make sense where you can be aggressive in certain situations. But you also have to look at the downside too. I mean, because sometimes. Those things, the smart thing is just, just punt it away. <laughs> don't, don't put yourself in a situation that you're going to be up against it if you don't get this for no reason. At the end of the day as well, sometimes a punt is the best play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I'm with you on that one too. I mean, there, there's sometimes you just, you get it and you, you kind of play that field possession game to some degree, or you make them have to make a number of plays to try to get down the field. And so anyways, all that to be said, I thought the guys, yeah, they played 60 minutes. I, this team, you can just tell, you know, you're around certain teams. They never had a, um, a game in which they, they weren't always scrapping to the end. And I, and, and I'm not suggesting other teams did. I, I just, it just some, sometimes you just have a team that just feels like they're always going to make you play 60, no matter what, and uh, no matter what the situation is occurring. So making the playoffs three of the four uh, last four years, good, good. Um, obviously, we want to establish ourselves as a uh, as a perennial playoff team. But now it's how can you take the next step, right? Like that you, you want to go in um, with the thought of, you know what, putting a few W's on the board and, and make making a run. And you just never know how it's all going to play out. And one day you're, you know, you wake up and you're in Frisco, Texas playing for the championship. And so that, that you just gotta, we just have to get a little bit And Bubba said it as well. So I'm just repeating him a little bit deeper in some areas. Um, You know, some years are going to be its own where you just have some strange things happen. But uh, you know, with, with some of the guys we got coming back next year and maybe adding on to it. And then certainly some of the guys that redshirted this year that we don't know who they are at this point, um, you know, excited for next year. And we have six home games next year, which is great. Yeah, it is fun to all of a sudden flip the page. And now you're looking at 2023 and the prospect of what's to come and, you know, fun road game at Boise State, you know, two of the first three at home, like some great opportunity to build some momentum and yeah, play a lot of games at the Alaris Center. You mentioned building that depth and, and taking another step in the right direction. A lot of that comes through recruiting. We'd be remiss to not mention that we have a signing day special coming up for UND football on December the 21st, the early national signing period right before Christmas. So be sure to tune in 10 a.m. It's an hour long live special from our Grand Forks studios. Bubba Schweigert, Danny Froines, Brett Halenka, all joining Brian, Sean, and the crew to, to chat about their newest class, talk about the season and what it means for the year to come. So that's coming up again, December the 21st, the Wednesday before Christmas at 10 a.m. Uh, I believe our fifth or sixth annual live signing day special for UND football. Your compatriots do a great job with it, and uh, it's good. It's a good way to get an initial uh, introduction to who's going to be in the family. Yeah, it is. It is fun. This year's class. Again, we don't know. We can't talk specifics or you can't talk specifics, I guess. But the the young men who have verbaled a lot of guys from around the area who are very talented. It looks to be a really, really strong class. So excited to see those kids put pen to paper coming up in just a couple of weeks. Crazy as we start to turn the page to the offseason. Uh, one of their offseason nugget as well. Eight players from this UND squad earned all conference recognition. Uh, five on the second team. Bo Belquist. Uh, let's see. Donnie Ventrelli, Ben McNabo, CJ Siegel. 
uh, Hoosman was on there as well. And then um, Devin Chanowski, Kate Peterson, and Tommy Schuster earning honorable mention. So nice to see the league, again, rewarding a lot of guys who had great individual seasons this last year. Yeah, you know, I, 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 was, I was hopeful for, say, a Bo and, uh, and uh, a Tyler. You know, I thought they had a shot at, at a first team. Um, a lot of good players in this league. So, you know, you're, you're just vying for slots that are very uh, limited, if you will. But, you know, a lot of our guys had really, uh, you know, really good years. And, uh, yeah, excited. Excited, excited for what's next. I, I think, uh, you know, yeah, if if what we believe to be true uh, uh, on the Internet uh, is accurate, <laughs> uh, then uh, we'll be excited about it on that Wednesday. Yeah, 100%. Well, yeah, again, congrats to the football. Another another playoff season. Again, third in the Valley. Seven wins again for Bubba now in his ninth season. Uh, well done to him and the staff and that team uh, for making some things happen and representing the university and the state of North Dakota well. You know, we're excited about trying to get them out of the facilities that they've been in uh, for a long period of time. That's going to be really, really helpful uh, over the course of time. So that's that's in play right now. Um, I think the stability aspect of the program makes a, a big, big difference. And again, we've only been in the Valley for a few years at this point in time. And I think we've done okay at this stage of the game, but we're not satisfied and we'd like to do more. And I think we're on the ascension. We're on a climb. Um, and so we just have to keep uh, keep grinding at it. But, uh, you know, I think Coach Schweigert's done, uh, you know, a phenomenal job, in especially being, uh, you know, a, a, an unbelievable ambassador for the University of North Dakota. And, uh, you know, um, if people would see some things behind the scenes, you know, they, you know, some of the things he'll never take credit for, but it's amazing some of the things he does do. Yeah, the culture that's been long established, but he that he's continued to build, you know, in his near decade now as the head coach, and obviously long before that as a coordinator and a part of this program, is really special, and that's something not to be taken for granted. So again, well done to that crew as they close the book on another football season. Another fall sport that wrapped up their season over Thanksgiving weekend was volleyball. Jesse Tupac's crew earning another bid to the Summit League Tournament, their first in a couple of years. They got to go down to Omaha and play in a quarterfinal match against the North Dakota State team that they had beaten earlier this season. In the end, not, not meant to be some close sets early that they could not quite win, and they fall in three to the Bison in the quarterfinals. Tough way to lose, of course. Tough final couple of weeks, really. They played maybe their best volleyball in October, kind of, kind of early October, early part of the Summit League season. And then just different things happened, and they couldn't quite get over the hump against some of the best teams in the league down the stretch. But still a lot of positives to take for this volleyball team during this season. Yeah, you know, it, it's a little bit of a deja vu what transpired with women's basketball a year previous, where they had a nice bounce back, and then, uh, you know, almost kind of ran out of gas, it felt like. And, uh, you know, we played all the top teams, and I think we were one of the top teams. But uh, we just couldn't get over the hump on a couple of those matches that we uh, that we extended to five. And I kind of felt like we needed to get one of those just to kind of put more juice back in the tank a little bit. And it just felt like just you could just see we're just just not there at the end. And uh, um, but they they gave it their all for sure. Um, And uh, I agree with you kind of needed one of those first two sets down in Omaha, you know, once. Once we didn't get the second set, I just went, oh, this one's going to be this one's going to be a tricky one at this point in time. So then, uh, yeah, NDSU got it done. And, uh, you know, I think they were a little bit more seasoned than we were. And so uh, uh, I am excited about what the future may bring with uh, with Jesse's team. You talk about a team on the rise. You know, football certainly is. Volleyball is as well. And it's easy to forget because they were nine and three at one point in Summit League play and. 
right in the top three and really fighting potentially for a conference championship. And then they lose, you know, they, you lose six in a row, you know, down the stretch and it kind of feels a little bit different. But this team went from being winless in this conference a year ago to being right in the thick of things to making the tournament really big strides for a squad that essentially was pretty young. A couple older players. I mean, you think about Marissa Stockman coming in and Sierra Ward and, you know, some graduate students with experience. But a lot of kids playing big minutes who were sophomores and freshmen and obviously a coaching staff that's going to hopefully be together for a while that you can keep building on. It's exciting to think what's going to come next year now that they've had this experience having success and in the tournament for this group who will bring back a lot of talented kids from this year's roster. Yeah, we're going to bring back some talent and we're going to add in some uh, some new faces. And I know um, both Jesse and Kristen are excited about, about who's coming in. But, you know, be a new team and uh, they'll get, you know, get to work and uh uh yeah i think they've uh, they've brought you know a little bit of excitement back to the betty in regards to volleyball so uh should be fun to see uh what they do in the next couple of years yeah there was a definite buzz in that building when they were playing this year and, and that was great and that had been lacking the last couple of seasons so again credit to the credit to the staff and credit to those girls for really stepping up this year uh, a couple individuals earned all conference nods elizabeth norris who probably should have been on the maybe this maybe a little higher up than just honorable mention given how good she was and how high she ranked and all those categories but elizabeth gets an honorable mention nod Paige barber was an all-freshman team selection too you could have picked a couple girls who had great seasons to be recognized but a lot of talented teams in this league again and you just you can't <laughs> there are only so many spots to go around that's right and i you know um i feel for our our kids right like because you want them to to get one of those slots but Long ago, I think I've kind of given up trying to figure out like who gets what and when and where. And sometimes it works in your favor. Sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, I, I do think uh, correct. I, I much like football. I thought maybe there could have been some other things occurring. But you know what? Um, kind of gives you a little bit more um, impetus for uh, the off season to uh, to kind of figure it out moving forward. Yeah, this team did finish with their most league wins since joining the Summit League. You know, 12 wins, their most in a campaign for a couple of seasons. So again, positive things for this volleyball program as they transition now into the offseason. And, and hopefully, again, Jesse and Kristen and Jordan Vale have not been on the job for a calendar year yet. It, it was, what, late December, early January that that hire took place? It's easy to forget. They've not even been here for a full year. So a lot of their first full off season on the way for that staff. And as we get excited about what's going to come for that program in the future. That's the one thing, Alex, in, uh, you know, it's interesting. The, uh, the profession that we're in, I, I don't want to say it's almost like dog years, but it's like, it feels like once you've gotten through a season, there's just lots of things that are always happening. And it, it feels like, a year sometimes could feel like two, three, four, right? So it's like, it's just interesting. And much like you said with, with Bubba kind of going in and I thought he did a great job last year at the, uh, at one of the um, uh, booster luncheons and he just kind of went through his calendar and in, 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 you know, it's off season from playing games, but not off season from make it up, right? Recruiting. Then it's winter ball, then right into, to some degree, another recruiting uh, date in February, then there's spring ball, then there's summer. I mean, there's then plus you got the academic piece. So there's always something going on to some level. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, I think, uh, you know, as, uh, as we're going forward, um, all these programs are just at a point where, you know, it's, it's certainly 12 months of news. It feels like, and maybe that's why it always feels like there's always, you know, they've been here longer than they have. <laughs> it's uh, it's easy to forget how, how new some of these coaching staffs are 
And uh, one staff that's not new is hockey. Bradbury and his crew have been around for a long time. They're coming off a series win over Bemidji State, which is always tricky. There's a home-and-home involved. This year it was over Thanksgiving. They go on the road to play a Beaver team that's one of the best in the CCHA again this year, and they win in a shootout on Friday. Another game where they had to fight back from behind. Saturday, different story. They lead 3-0, and then Bemidji was the one that fought back, but UND earns the 4-2 victory. A couple of big results for this team as they try and steady the ship uh, after kind of a difficult stretch throughout November. I, you know, I think um, we're just looking to stack good periods on top of each other. And when that happens, good things happen. Right. And I think, I, I think the last two weekends, we've certainly had the better of play uh, if you took the six periods, but you know, sometimes you can have a, a, a tough period, which, you know, occurred in Epimidji and, uh, and then you're, then you're chasing the game, right? We're talking about chasing the game. And the last thing you want to do is chase uh, games. But um, I thought our guys, you know, came back and, uh, and got the Friday night tie and then uh, turned around and, uh, you know, found a way to get it done on Saturday. And uh, I thought we, I thought we locked it down in the last six minutes pretty well. Um, you know, I'm, they don't think they had a shot on that. And so uh, we did a pretty good job there. And then uh, what, what great opportunity the next two weekends. It, it is awesome. Like, let's go, like, let's go to St. Cloud. Let's go to Kalamazoo. Let's, let's see what we got. It's a tough way to finish, but it's a great opportunity. As you said, you get two highly thought of high ranked teams, both on the road, both in conference, Great chance to build up some pairwise points and kind of climb yourself back. I think North Dakota right now is in the mid-20s in terms of pairwise. Still pretty early. A lot of, lot of big games to come, of course. But a great chance to make up some grounds. And the Huskies come in off a of bye. You get to go play on the big sheet. That's always a great rivalry. Uh, those will be really fun games to watch. You can catch both of those games, by the way, live on Midcoast Sports. We'll be not broadcasting the game, but carrying the Husky Productions broadcast on our network. So if you can't get to the Herb Brooks Center, you can catch those games out this weekend, 7.30 on Friday, 6 o'clock on Saturday. Um, but yeah, great chance to, to make make some hay, both in the league standings and nationally as well with these two opponents who are really good right before the Christmas break. Interesting. Hey, quick question for you. Why do you think, uh, and I haven't asked, I haven't asked them. I, uh, did you find out why 7.30 on the Friday nights? Or is that just standard operating procedure for them? I'm not sure. I, I know that obviously used to be our start time at North Dakota. That was always 7.30 Friday, 7 on Saturday. I feel like St. Cloud, though, had always been maybe 7 and 6. So I'm, I'm not sure if there's something special going on this weekend, why it is 7.30. But we will, uh, but, th- but that's what time it is. So that's what time we're going to tune in. <laughs> Oh, so good stuff as hockey starts to wind down the first half of their season. Hoops, of course, are really just getting started. Uh, Both the men and the women right now are in the midst of non-conference play. The men have won three straight. They came back home after a couple of weeks on the road. Home wins over Wisconsin Stout, Utah Tech, Cal State Fullerton. Now they're at five and three, feeling pretty good. A little stiffer test coming up as you listen to this probably tonight, again on Wednesday, against number 23 Iowa State down in Ames. But a great challenge. Again, second second week, or sorry, second opponent this year that's been ranked for UND in non-conference after they played Creighton earlier this year. And then they'll get back into some good mid-major type opponents on the road at Portland, home against Seattle, on the road against Idaho. Non-conference is always a great time to figure things out. And this men's team seems to be doing so right now, Bill. Yeah, tricky little uh, road trip here where uh, you go to Iowa State and then Portland, who just played in the Phil Nike, uh, Phil Nike, Phil Knight, (laughs) or Phil Nike. There's a Freudian slip. And, And Portland played well. 
they played very, very well. And so uh, lost to Michigan State by one, North Carolina by just a couple, and then and then beats I forget who they beat, but they beat someone. So that that was good for them. Um, and so that's going to be a, a tough one. And then Idaho, uh, for sure, uh, at their place, they're always tough in Moscow. So, uh, yeah, that's a tough road trip. So, uh, you know, we're still learning a lot about this team, though. And we've, you know, it's just it's it's fascinating. I, I think any basketball team probably wants to get to a rotation of about eight. We're at about 10, 11, 12 right now. So <laughs> I, I don't maybe that's just the way it's going to be this year. A lot of the young guys are getting some big minutes and, and they're taking advantage of it. Now, obviously, the, this, this homestand, you know, you and he didn't play the best of the best in terms of opposition. But Cal State Fullerton's a good program. Utah Tech's been good. I mean, they, they, they got good convincing wins and got everybody involved. And that's going to bode well for this team as the season moves along. Yeah, and and Elijah Brooks wasn't uh, even available uh, this past weekend. So there's another starter that that didn't even play. And you're, you're right, Utah Tech, um, they've had some um, some pretty good uh, results uh, against others, and so that was a good one for us. And then uh, Fullerton had beaten Pacific at Pacific, and yeah. so and made the you know won the Big West tournament last year and was uh, was at in the NCAA's. So whether it's this kind of the same team or not, I, I don't I didn't go that deep into it. I just I know that they were successful last year, and you know the team that came in, and uh, you know it's one of those nights, and I I, I truly believe leaving there it was one of those nights for pacific where they just couldn't miss anything and uh sure enough here you go a fullerton goes to pacific and wins and then fullerton comes to us and loses so uh you know i i don't know what that you know what that a plus b plus c equals d type thing is but i'll tell you what that that's weird it's hard to compare results yeah what the associative property if, if this team beats this team and then this team plays this team, and you would assume, well, this team is better than this other team. But stylistically, things change. And all I know is they won three in a row at home, and now they get to go on the road and test themselves against some good opposition. So we'll be watching men's hoops here the next couple of weeks before Summit League play starts later on in December. For the women now, three and three, a couple of close losses against the Montana schools, uh, one in which Casey Bravish just went off 35 points in one of those defeats out west. Uh, they go then to the Phoenix area in the Grand Canyon Classic over Thanksgiving, lost the first game to GCU, but then they got a nice win, uh, come from behind win over Manhattan College the next day. So, kind of, you know, kind of one step forward, one step back, still figuring things out early in the season, but they've had some good wins this year, and now they get to come home. Uh, they'll play... Five of their nest six here at home. They'll take Wisconsin Superior on on the second. Then the quick trip to Eastern Michigan, and then back home against Weber State on the tenth of December. And then that's the first of four straights inside the Betty. Yeah, I thought that uh, in talking to Mal and congratulations to the Bernhard family for uh, yeah uh, having uh, her second little one, Lizzie, um, came uh, on the scene. So she was not traveling with uh, the team to Arizona. Makes a whole lot of sense. And uh, and sure enough. You know what? She she uh, um, gave birth to a healthy baby girl, which is awesome. So uh, congratulations to her, Nick. Um, yeah, the, I, I thought that Montana, and I, I mentioned this to Mal, is that I kind of felt we left one on the table against Montana. I, I just, we had a shot and it was a really good non-conference kind of two-game deal like we're going to see in the Summit League. And yeah. so against really good opponents uh and like opponents and you know they had a pretty good crowd there as well um so at, at the end of the day they had a great crowd in bozeman because that was the night before the the 
the Grizz uh, cat game in yeah. football and Cost game day was there and all that other stuff. And then uh, Montana always has a good crowd uh, for women's basketball. So at the end of the day, I, I thought it was good. It just was, you know, disappointing. We couldn't get a split there, but we got the split in Arizona, which was great. And so uh, we didn't shoot it well from the, uh, from the free throw line, the first game, but then we were 21 to 23, which kind of sealed the deal after, you know, really, ending the game on a 16 to two run, which, uh, which was awesome. So, uh, you know, kudos to the uh, team for, for hanging in there, getting the W and now we, you're right. Now we're kind of in the Betty for a little bit, but you're right. Quick trip to Michigan. <laughs> just, just throw that in there. Just a quick one to zip across. Yeah. Why not? So yeah, that Manhattan college game reminiscent of Wyoming, how the, the girls really buckled down, down the stretch, saw the game out. So some good positive steps for that team as they continue to get closer to conference play starting here in a couple of weeks. Yes. That I think is all I've got in terms of rundown, Bill, unless I'm missing anything, anything else on your plate from an NCAA or UND perspective? No, I don't think so. You know, indoor track is going to be starting up here a little bit, and uh, we got other programs that are kind of in play. But I think that's about it. I I think we do a quick flip to the B side because we got a big uh, soccer match that's about to uh, literally kick off here in about 19 minutes as we record this pod. Yeah, so that's that's what the B side is going to be about today. Is the World Cup, Bill, in Qatar is uh, in full swing. We are third, and after the two matches this morning, 34 matches down. We have 30 to go before we crown a champion. The U.S. very much in the midst of all this. They play Iran coming up, as you said, in real time as we're recording this. Yeah, at the top of the hour, 1 o'clock. As you listen to this, of course, you will know the fate of, of the, the men's national team, whether or not they pick up the win they need to move on or if they draw or lose and get knocked out of the tournament. But what have you made of the World Cup so far in general? Have you been watching? Have you been distracted? There's a lot going on. What are your thoughts, Bill? Yeah, so I've tried to put it on at least the background a little bit uh, as 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 matches were going on. I I'm sitting here weighing the the the, the guys I'm watching from Tottenham and, and hoping maybe they don't make it through so that they have a nice little uh, break, uh, which wouldn't be bad. So I kind of was rooting against South Korea, I have to admit to you. Uh, and it's going to be tough for them to get through at this point in time, and that might be okay for for my guy. And so. Um, other than that, you know, hasn't, I, I don't know. I just Brazil, Brazil looks to be pretty good, but with Neymar out, that's a tough one. I, I don't know if he makes it back. His leg looked pretty gross after their two, nothing went over Serbia the other day. They say he's out for the group stage, might make it back in time for the round of 16 or the quarters, but you never know. It looks, looks pretty bad. Big ankle swell going on down there for one of Brazil's best players, but they're already through. I one of the big things I think through the first two match days, is that only three teams qualified for the knockout stage out of 32. And that doesn't usually happen. Usually you see the best teams in their groups win two games, punch their ticket, you know, you're moving on. There's been much more parity, a lot more upsets. Certainly Argentina losing to Saudi Arabia was a huge upset, one of the biggest in World Cup history. Same story, like over the course of the weeks, we've seen good teams get drawn, like the Netherlands drawing with Ecuador was a surprise. And... There just haven't been the favorites, Germany losing to Japan, huge shock. Like there have been a lot of those that people just did not see coming. And it, it's been kind of a cagey World Cup at times where we've had a lot of nil nils through 45 minutes and then maybe somebody gets a goal late. The last couple of days, though, things have really erupted. You know, we had a six goal thriller the other day between Serbia and Cameroon. We had five goals between South Korea and Ghana. I know you were intently watching Youngman's son 
with his mask. Batman out there with his broken orbital bone trying to carry the South Koreans to victory. Now we're getting into the part of the game where all these matches take on a little more significance. You get the simultaneous matches on match day three where a goal completely shifts the narrative and you go from needing, okay, all we need is a draw. Let's defend. Now we can see, okay, now we need to go for it. That's what makes this so much fun. You have that instant change. It really will be, a, it's been a, a, an odd tournament because of the dissonance around everything happening in the country and the crackdown on every, just human rights in general and, and different things. People trying to make statements, which have been, that, that's, there've been a lot of social issues brought up. And we're obviously, we'll get that with the US Iran. We've already had that with the press conferences and people talking about the geopolitical side of this, but it's been a fascinating week and a half so far to watch this tournament unfold. If I put a piece of paper in front of you two weeks ago and said, have to win a match against Iran to go to the next, go to the next round, you signing it? I think everybody in this country would have. Now you have to win, have to win. I mean, I, we've seen, I mean, it, it, now it's always tricky when, if quote unquote, you're playing for a draw too, that's a, uh, you know, sometimes that can be tough on a team. Yeah, it's almost better that they have to win. I agree. This is really shades of 2010 all over again with U.S. Algeria. And and this is last day. You got to win. You're playing a team that is probably okay with the draw. <laughs> it, it It's going to be fascinating to watch. And nerve-wracking. You're correct. There's no overthinking it for us. I mean, you just go. You I go know. for it. You just go for it. I mean, it's it's honestly, it's being down by four in football. Field goal is not going to do it. Got to go for the touchdown. Got to go. <laughs> if you're only up three, now you got decisions to make. Your play call becomes different here. Pretty simple for us. Pretty simple for now. What becomes interesting, as we've seen over and over again when we see matches, you know, it's it's zero zero at half, and we score in the 60th minute. Now, how are we playing it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I hope we're in that scenario. I hope that's what happens and we have to worry about that. Well, but that makes it interesting, too. Now, all of a sudden, you got that other team coming at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's it. I mean, Iran's win over Wales has this. Because, so, again, if you're not tracking on this from an audience perspective, Iran got blown out by England. I mean, six to two in the first match and looked they looked pretty off the pace. And I think everybody sort of thought, okay, well, that's them. They're, they're out. Now we have to worry about, you know, getting a good result against England and whatever. And then they come back and they looked great against Wales. Like it was a completely different team and different tactics, much more aggressive. The Welsh didn't offer much and the Iranians scored twice late and they win two nothing. Now, all of a sudden they're in second place. They're in the driver's seat here to qualify. Remember top two teams move on. It's it's wild how much that's shift. And now I think you've looked at this Iranian team completely in a different light than you did seven days ago when they were getting thumped by England. This is a, this they play better, I think, when they're going forward, like most teams do. And and they will they will be a tough out today. This is not going to be an easy match. It's it's crazy. The over th- the last 30 years in the World Cup, it's amazing how many wins. Wins are hard for us. I'm just talking US. Yeah, actually, goals are hard. And so, I mean, so at this point in time, you know, just think about it right now. I mean, we you prep all these years to go into the World Cup, and we still haven't won a match. <laughs> haven't lost, but, but have not won, yes. Correct. And so it's like, you know, and again, sometimes draws are fair. Um, uh, again, we can go down that rabbit hole if we want to. But at the end of the day, 
I, I, we, we have got to, we just got to get after him today, score and, and, and score again, really at the end of the day, goal, uh, because, uh, you know, you don't want to get in the last 20 minutes where you're just bracing and holding on and you're just holding your breath. Yeah, that's the worst. That's just the worst. So hopefully things, again, as you listen to this, you know what's happened. Hopefully we're talking about the quarterfinals or the round of 16 the next time we pod. But it's it's all there. It's all there for the taking for this American. So I thought, I thought about this as well. And uh, I, I guess Wales has a shot to make it, but they would have to beat England pretty decisively and then hope for, what, a draw? A draw. You need a draw. Yep. So because the Welsh have one point now. I think the, the way the math works, if the U.S. and Iran draw and Wales beats England by like four goals, I think, because they have to overcome the goal differential, that would be the tiebreaker between them and Iran. Then Wales could get in. I don't see Wales beating England by four goals today. But again, it's been a weird. I, I didn't see Saudi Arabia beating Argentina either. So it's it's a weird tournament. You just never know. Is there any chance... I don't I don't think so, right? Is is England in jeopardy at all? They've not qualified. So technically, if they lose to Wales by enough, then Wales and England will be tied on four points. And then if Iran or the US, if there's a winner in that match, then they would go above England in that category. So essentially, yes, if as long as they don't get hammered by Wales, England's in. But if they do somehow <laughs> ship four or five. And they and they lose six two. Then all of a sudden, and, and there's a winner between U.S. and Iran. Then England's out. Yeah, it's it's possible, but very unlikely. Very unlikely. So so at the end of the day, one of the well, I don't know. I I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to have my cake and eat it too here. I'm trying to win the match and finish first in the group. That'll be hard for the U.S. to do. I don't see a scenario where the U.S. wins the group. It just doesn't seem to be in the cards based on the thing that we're looking at. So more than likely, if they find a way to beat Iran today, they'll get the Dutch in the next round, which looks pretty tasty. The Netherlands do not look very good. And I'd like our chances in that match. I was just going to say, as much as all of this, whoever's going to finish number one in groups, I I guess you'd say the French have looked good, I guess. But even them, it's like, eh, you know, I'm not sure anybody, maybe Spain, I guess, maybe. Certainly not Germany. No, no, no. Yeah, there, there haven't really been like the standout team. That France has won both of their matches, and Mbappe's looked great, but they are, they're not a perfect team. And you could say the same thing about Spain, who put seven past Costa Rica, but then really toiled against a German team that maybe isn't good. We don't know yet. The book is still out whether or not they're good or not. Um, Portugal has won both of their matches, so they, they're already through two. Those are the three teams that have automatically qualified. But even the Portuguese didn't look – they have not looked great. Like they barely beat Ghana, and then they, they needed a penalty and some luck against Uruguay the other day. So I'm not sure there's any any team right now that you'd say, well, we can't win that match. No, I think you could. Yeah, I think I think they'd, they'd have a shout. But I like – especially like, I like the draw. Like if – if if the U.S. gets the job done today, I, the Dutch are there for the taking. They just don't seem to be very dynamic. It would, I mean, the U.S. obviously has not looked like world beaters either, but that's an even match, essentially. And that's all. You, if you're the second team coming out of a group, all you want is an even match. And I would like their chances to maybe get the job done against Louis van Gaal's Netherlands squad. And then, then, you're, then, then there's a lot of permutations over what happens in Group C and D based on who you'd face potentially in the quarterfinals. But... We got to win today. 
<laughs> before we're well, we go things. all the way back to get a win today. Got to win today. So and we're going to go watch that match right now. You got some meetings today. Hopefully you can have it on in the background as well and be able to take uh, take Absolutely. part. Well, hey, go USA. Go USA. Go, go USA, Bill. Here we go. All right. Well, on behalf of Bill Chaves and Alec Johnson and Paul Ralston, our behind-the-scenes crew, I'm Alex Heiner. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks when there's more to talk about around this UND Athletics crew. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon.